to Legit Bat. I'm Joe. Jen's here. Ben is also here. And our guests tonight are Chris and Hunter from the Melt Podcast. And I first heard these guys on my buddy Chris's show from Forbidden Knowledge News and immediately reached out to get them scheduled. And that was probably fucking three months ago now. But I got that schedule so far in advance. But uh, why don't you introduce yourselves to the listeners and what you what you guys do over at the Melt? I'm Chris. I actually started the Melt uh, before Hunter came on board, probably in late 2018. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a few months before we met, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I was solo for a long time. And, uh, you know, one thing had led to another and I invited her to come on. I, the reason that I put off inviting her to be my co-host is because I was afraid that she would show me up. And that's <laughs> totally true. So I just kind of nod and go what she said. No, Look at you now, admitting that on camera five years later. Holy shit. And this is being recorded, right? That's, my, yeah, yeah. Ma'am. That's my version of taking the knee. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and here we are. Yes. You. Awesome. My name is Hunter Muse. I am a uh, human being, <laughs> first and foremost, a woman. I, That's good. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm very clear about that. Uh, I'm also in school right now studying clinical psychology, and so that's kind of my side gig, I guess you could say. And the primary thing that I do is I co-host The Melt with Chris, and we like to talk about all things strange and uh, dissonant, and we are very open to divergent points of view. We don't always agree with everyone who comes on the show, and I think that that's something that's lacking in uh, podcasting and in media right now is that I agree kind mm-hmm. of a one note thing where you you get into this echo chamber of only talking to mm-hmm. people you agree with and I mm-hmm. find that so just rubbish and boring and I want to talk to people who have variant ideas and and perspectives and we're really trying to book Hillary Clinton we just no we're get not back to us. fuck Hillary Clinton god damn <laughs> no, no, that would be interesting though oh, it would be it would be Anyway, I want to talk to the devil. I uh, so I always say better to be open-minded than like-minded. So that's kind of the way that yeah. we run things here too. It's much nice. better open-minded to all things than to just, you know, be like-minded about the same things. So I love that. That's exactly how we are too. And when we cool. first started our show in, I don't know, the last quarter of 2020, mm-hmm. everyone was, you're right, kind of a, a little bit of an echo chamber. I mean, it was a weird time, so I'm not judging everyone for that, but there there came a point probably in 2021 where we couldn't disagree with people who were disagreeing with the mainstream narrative without them making us feel stupid. Yeah. You know, it wasn't necessarily blatant or in your face, but they'd be like, oh, you don't know who so-and-so is, or you don't know what's going on right now. And I'm like, you're just as bad as the fuckers you're making fun of. Stop it. Well, and it was funny because when it started out, it was always, um, I guess you could say that this, this podcast by itself has, has, uh, it's brought all three of us in a lot of ways closer together because we've had an extensive time of talking out this crazy shit that's been going on. But then on top of that, it's also kind of, you know, in other ways, very, very separated the more nuanced things that either we hadn't talked about, we didn't know about each other. And mm-hmm. I mean, we live together, like we're all very close. It it, it was it, at the time that we started it, I was so 
in a different spot for the, the my entire life prior to starting this. And I would also say that, you know, by 2021, a lot of that had flipped for me. And uh, in, a, in a large way, when we started this, I was the uh, the normie, um, the more uh, what I thought was grounded to reality. Um, and, you know, whenever some woo woo shit came up, I was always the first one to call bullshit on it. And now I still will, uh, but but to to a lot less of a level, very, sure. a lot less of a level. Yeah, well, it's good to be. You'll look into thing. it first. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a cynic in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I'm more of an open-minded cynic where I'm like, "Fuck, I really don't want that to be true," but I have a feeling it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm cynical, cynical about open-mindedness itself. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard. Therein lies the paradox. Yeah. What's funny, I grew up in a very uh, conspiracy theory um, embedded reality. And so mm. this was my love language. <laughs> from oh. when I was a child, like my mother, you know, we talked about the JFK assassination being uh, conducted by the CIA. We talked about MK Ultra. These were mm. things that I was talking about in the seventies with her when I was a little wow. kid. So, you know, and she was into some pretty wild shit. She was a rush crucian, you know, she, she went into places that I think most parents don't necessarily go with their kids. Right. So because of that, uh, it gave me a different perspective. Like I was able to kind of see things in television. And the first thing that I would always like with nine 11 happened, the first thing I thought was, okay, what's the agenda here? Mm. What's, what's happening here? And I think 9-11 was a turning point for a lot of people where they really started to kind of question what it, we consider consensus reality. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of, of handholding with me for other people that I felt like needed support because I wanted to say, you've actually been believing what the talking box tells you like wow this is amazing and i don't judge people but i i saw even in the beginning of my relationship with chris that chris really liked to talk about uh things that are maybe a, a more paranormal event mm -hmm. uh, so you know sasquatch and uh, ufos and those types of experiences where i was wanting to let's talk about geoengineering and well, weather modification and stuff that is influencing and affecting you know large populations of people i was there too but i was just wakening back up i was in a decade-long yeah. marriage that was really not conducive for any of that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. i kind of put that part of myself to sleep that was the graveyard shift i would stay up late at night and look into that stuff but i had nobody to talk to about it uh so as I got out of that marriage, that part was just starting to wake up again and come back to life. And the whole conspiracy world looked a lot different than it did when I mm -hmm. was starting to put that to sleep. Uh, so I feel like I'm still getting my ground, getting my my land legs. Uh, and as I came into that, along came Hunter and uh, wow, things just <laughs> it's, went it's, up by the to the nth degree after that it's pretty easy to fall off that bandwagon because if you just follow the agenda it's a lot easier uh, that whole okay. ignorance is bliss thing i mean yes. fuck man i didn't want it, it it's like pouring visine in that third eye for me opening that up because I, I was never on that level 
Um, there was maybe a small anchor and that was the moon landing. And the only reason why was because of that Dateline special. I think it was in 1999 or 2001 Mm -hmm. um, where they started questioning it. And of course, the fact that it was on a big program, you know, I'm looking at it and I was still kind of calling BS, but I couldn't argue with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Hunter, what you said about growing up with a mom that was in in that. So do you kind of feel like it was um, you got a chance at, by her to see behind the veil in a way that a lot of other kids didn't get to because of what she was into and, and how you were able to experience that? I think, uh, you know, the the through line for me was that my father was a professional wrestler. So I grew up in a world where you knew there was a velvet curtain and there was a puppet master behind that was really manipulating what was going on. My grandfather on my mother's side was one of the, uh, the people who started the NSA. So I came from a family of people that were involved in these deep programs and, you know, potentially some hybrid situation with my mom she never sweated. She had an extra vertebra in her neck. She was not an emotional person like normal people are. So mm-hmm. I think it was very easy for me to, you know, observe things from a different perspective, but it also made me an outlier because I went mm-hmm. to 13 different schools because of my father's profession. We traveled a lot. So I was always the new kid. So I would go into a situation and see kind of the ecosystem of the school and see what the groups were and never really fit in. I used humor as my kind of my entree, like to make friends with people, but I wasn't, I never fit into these groups because I wasn't one of these kids who bought the bullshit, like the Barbie narrative and, and, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't fit in. So I think that really helped me as I got older because I wasn't trying to be part of groups in the way that I saw other people when they got into high school and there were the jocks and the burnouts Mm -hmm. and the preps and, you know, these kids that their entire reality was based on their success in high school and and their identity. And I remember thinking back then, wow, when you turn 40, life is going to fuck <laughs> you over <laughs> because suddenly your whole life is going to be looking in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the benefit of never kind of fitting in is that your life is constantly discovery. You're always kind of waking up to what reality is. And well, I think it's it's very, uh, I feel very grateful to be kind of on the outside. It makes you have the vantage point of being an observer. So you're all, you have no dog in any of the races that you see going on and you just see that everybody is running around in circles. Yeah. And none of them really seemed happy. So when I hear ignorance is bliss, I'm like, is it? (laughs) Because all (laughs) these people are drug addicts and alcoholics and fucking around on their partners and they seem really miserable. (laughs) It's a really monochromatic bliss. Yeah. Yeah, it's control. Not, not fitting in. Yeah, not fitting in though, like you said, is kind of a a blessing just because, like you said, you're the kind of the observer. But then, 
you said you're always it's kind of a journey of discovering all the time too and you're not really bound to any one thing there's a lot of people that tie their identity to you know like you said in high school to sports or whatever the fashion whatever the thing is you know that goes on in high school but then uh yeah like you said it's probably more when you're about 20 ish when life hits you upside the head and you realize oh oh shit, I have more stuff to worry about. But a lot of people do get stuck in that, especially in the 20s on just, you know, career in college and, mm-hmm. do, you know, you got to do this thing that we're all told we're supposed to do when we grow yeah. up. You got to get a job, pay taxes, make sure you floss. Actually do floss. It's gross if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Adults are so bound to that though. No, I totally agree with what you're saying. I was thinking the same thing that we're trained as kids to be a part of a group. And if you're not, you're an outlier, like you said, but that that's a bad thing. You're not a part of this group. That's not good. But when you're in that group, then all you're doing is struggling to stay in that group and maintain your status in that group. And it kills you mentally and it blocks all forms of creation. You don't want to create because you're too busy killing yourself mentally to keep, you know, stay in the group, stay in the job, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, making sure you have this and that and the other thing. So no one's judging you when really that doesn't matter at all. And I see it, I see, pardon me for interrupting you, but I just quickly want to say this. I see it in university now because I'm 54. So I've lived like nine lives already. And I'm going to school with people who are 19 and 20 years old, who are, have this intersectional identity and they are quite literally painting themselves into these boxes by trying to um, be what's the word I'm looking for trying to be acknowledged for their sexuality when mm-hmm. with most of them, that's probably the least remarkable thing about them mm-hmm. is their sexuality. There's other, that's why they cling to that though. That's why so, because they're unremarkable and they're like, no, but I'm non-binary polyamorous, whatever the fuck, you know, you got to like me now, but yeah. it's so bizarre. It's not my job to affirm anybody mm-hmm. that's what self-esteem is mm-hmm. and it's not your parents job to give you self-esteem what your parents job is to create an environment where you gain self-esteem by challenging you so i think that's the thing i'm seeing right now is a lot of people are being unchallenged so they can say i am a you know seventh degree ninja amputee amputee dragon and you have to affirm that (laughs) well the funny thing is too is that like when you said it's really interesting what you just said and i got a question for you i actually wrote it down already um but the the opposite side of that being an outlier and it being a blessing ignorance isn't bliss is that sometimes as chris just meant it mentioned it can be a very lonely place when you have nobody else to bounce that off of because when the whole narrative is saying one thing and inside you have that mental struggle of ah fuck i'm seeing holes in this and i got no nobody nobody else there's no soundboard i i I don't i i feel like i'm going crazy because i'm seeing shit that I, i i don't feel like anybody else is seeing that can that there is a part of that. And I, I never felt that. Um, I got dragged into this whole world, um, more, more or less You're kicking welcome. and screaming, but, <laughs> but, um, uh, but no, I, I, I get both sides of that. And it's, it is scary. It is scary when you first start to wake up and that whole, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. it it's, it's terrifying because the first thing I told them was this idea of what I always believed 
in religion, which was a way that we were raised. And I thought, no, I'm just I'm I'm doing it with the correct application. My parents were wrong in their application. Right. Getting getting that ripped away from me was something that it, it was terrifying because everything I thought I knew about how this fucking world works was demolished. And so then you're standing at that place where you go, well, fuck. And then you hit a place of I don't know shit. And that's relieving, but also terrifying. So sure. it, it, there's a big power balance with that, where I can I can definitely see both of those sides. Hunter, you mentioned something. I know you said you were um, going for um, your side bitch is a clinical psychology, mm -hmm. um, which is super interesting to me. Uh, but it's a couple of things that you just mentioned, actually, the uh, kids in college getting group identity and the idea that you have to play into a delusion, which is like the first thing they say not to do if you have any kind of delusions is to play into somebody else's. Exactly. Um, what is really quick? What is your guys's opinion with that said, the college campus, clinical psychology and group identity? What is your guys's opinion on the work of uh, Jordan Peterson? Oh, I think Jordan Peterson. What? I was just going. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's spot on about lots of different things. I think he's so I don't I really don't understand why he seems to be so highly misunderstood. Me too. And he gets lumped into being some alt-right dude. Like there's nothing right. in him that reads that way at all. Uh because he rags on the left. So anybody who rags on well, the he left. He rags on both when they both deserve it. Yeah, exactly. He also encourages self-analysis and critical thinking, which exactly. nobody in the government wants us to do right now. Yeah, right. picking yourself up by your bootstraps and working on yourself first before you go out changing the world, which is right. so fucking key, you know? What's his phrase? Clean up your own room before you worry yeah. about cleaning Make up and telling somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and I I think that's fantastic. It, reading the the Twelve Rules book, yes. his first one, really got me out of a slump that uh, was very life-changing. It's stuff that I knew already, but sometimes hearing it put in so many words can be so helpful. And I just read it at the right time. I think Jordan Peterson is fantastic. Well, uh, and, and he said a few things actually to that regard where he said, why do you think, some, I think it was Bill Maher when he went on his show, he said, why, why do you think, um, you know, people are, uh, are latching onto this? And he goes, well, I, I think that it's because what I'm saying is self-evidently true but it isn't expressed very well very often. And it's yeah. exactly that. It's like, you'll hear the exact same thing that a lot of us were raised on. We were raised to work hard, um, be all of the shit and take responsibility, which is like everybody's favorite thing not to do. They throw it onto some kind of crutch that they're clinging yeah. onto. But it's the idea that it's like, yeah, we've all heard this our whole lives, but sometimes you just hear it so perfectly said that it's a great reminder to just go, fuck, yep. You're yep. absolutely right. That was the first thing I heard when I first started listening some, to some of his lectures years ago. Uh, I told Jen that I'm like, he says things that I already knew or felt, <laughs> yeah. but he says it in a way that makes way more sense than even my own brain could come up with. But mm. I don't get why some people, there's a lot of people even in this community that, you know, they like to point fingers at everybody and call them shills and government psyops and all that stuff. Okay, maybe, but they they made a good one. If Jordan Peterson's a fucking yeah. psyop, I don't disagree with a lot of things he says. So good job to the government or whoever. <laughs> and what's the psyop anyway? What's it? Right. What's... <laughs> because if they're demonizing he him, money? he's clearly going against the psyop. Like his entire thing of rise to prominence was the whole idea that he is a clinical psychologist. He does teach at a university and he directly stood against Bill C-16 in Canada, which was about yeah. compelling speech to somebody's identity. 
mm-hmm. and how they self-identified. And I'm like, yes, wh- why is this controversial? Why is it controversial to stand against something that says, by law, you have to play into something that they believe about themselves, even if all the evidence is there to say that that's not who they are. Like, that that doesn't seem controversial to me whatsoever. Of course. And I think that was his introduction onto the world stage. It was, which yeah. Was for many people, like the worst way to get introduced. <laughs> because he was uh, challenging something which these days is the most unchallengeable. Like you're not allowed to critically uh, comprehend it or apprehend it in any way. You're not allowed to question it. Uh, and he did to the nth degree unapologetically, uh, which I totally respect. Uh, and so that fucked him. Uh, as far as the any left person, left leaning person is concerned, sure, yeah, yeah. It seems like they tried to take him out too because he had a a rough yeah, path. I was with just his wife, that, yeah. his yeah. health, everything kind of took a dump a couple years ago. And he seems sure. out of it now, but now I see everybody attacking him from the other side, and I'm just like, leave the dude alone. Oh. Uh, listen, listen to some <laughs> shit he says. He he makes sense in a lot of ways. I, don't, I haven't heard everything he's ever said, so I don't know. There maybe there's stuff I disagree with him on, but the shit I've heard makes a lot of sense. So yeah, leave the fucker sure. alone. Um, I think a lot of where uh, this comes from is that he is operating in an ecosystem of the makes me feel culture, mm-hmm. which mm. what that that is about is what other other people being responsible for your state. Right. And he's challenging that. Uh, and I totally respect that. I respect the fact that he admitted that he had drug issues. I think he's a challenging person in many regards. I think that's what university is designed to do is to challenge people. Uh, It's a place where you are supposed to learn critical thinking. If you haven't really picked up that piece in high school or elementary school. So Uh, I think there's a lot of value in what he's doing. I may not necessarily agree with his approach or um, everything that he says, as you said, but I respect the fact that he's willing to stand up on a national and an international stage and take umbrage with the, this madness, this situation that he finds himself in. And I'm sure it's insanely stressful you know, I'm sure that he has to deal with so much neg- negativity and negative energy and negative input that that's probably a lot to take on. Um, but I, you know, I'm someone that I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in justice and liberty for all people, even the people I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that we can have these discussions is if we have divergent perspectives if it's just someone who is um aping what he's saying then are we really progressing are we really having any kind of a dialogue uh so you know i value his perspective and his opinion and you know god bless him i hope he continues on his journey because i think we need more people doing that in that clinical psychology space especially oh, as professors a- absolutely there is, everybody likes to bring up the statistics especially when you first got into the uh, larger public sphere i should just mention this to my parents this last sunday they came over for coffee and i said you know it's really funny i said because they have he's got this whole spiel on being a man um, you need to be a monster in the best way. When you see a cage fighter, 
and they're just fucking somebody's day up. It's like, man, that guy's a monster. And it's a compliment. Right. And he's like, that, that's the whole story of Beauty and the Beast is that it's not about um, Gaston, who's a narcissist and an evil man, but produces himself as very grand and powerful. No, it's about the beast, the guy who lives a life of being capable of awful things, but he has learned how to tame it. That is something that is important because that shows self-confidence and also the idea that I don't have anything to prove. I know I can mess you up or whatever. And this idea that any kind of male aggression is therefore uh, masculine, uh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> and I, I brought up to my parents, I said, it's really funny because when he first got in the public sphere, everybody liked to br bring up to him. Why is it that, you know, 70% or however many it is are young white males? And he thought about that for a while. And I remember watching his face while he was thinking about it. And I'm like, he knows he's got to be careful. He knows he's got an answer, but he also knows that, that he has to be careful. And what he said was absolutely important. He said, I think it's because we're now in a, in a climate where to be a proud, masculine young man has by definition been demonized to the point that they actually need what I'm saying a lot more than some other people. He said, because when you're elevated or taken away from any kind of platform, it it's a big blow. And when you're talking about young kids, young adults, especially where they, you know, they get minimal training at home to what they can understand. And when, then when they go out, it doesn't matter how much you prepare them for it. They're going to get kicked in the nuts a few times. They're going to take some hits. They're going to learn some hard lessons and it sucks, but that is what propels you into adulthood. And it's the idea that right now there's a climate of if you show any kind of, I guess you could say traditional masculinity, it, it's, it's being shit on. And so these, these young men will be like, well, I'm being told, like, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not a man. I'm not going to lie and say anything like that. But if I say that I'm like proud, I'm a man, I'm, I am a man, there is, a, you know, and, and that's a woman or whatever, then it ends up getting shit on. So then they end up getting depressed. Well, what's my role? What's my role as a strong masculine figure? Well, so far, that's been, you know, pretty shit on. And so he's like, I think that they need it. He goes, I can't tell you how many kids walk up to me after I speak at a college or I do a lecture and they'll come up and say, man, I did not realize my own potential and you really helped me with what you just said because i felt like being just the way that i was wasn't okay and he brought up the counterpoint he goes which is you know fair for a lot of uh minorities and the uh dispossessed is that yeah whether it be by race or gender or whatever there are certain sects of people that they get stepped on and they need that encouragement he's like oh, i can't uh, you know i don't i don't decide who it is that needs what i have to say there's two things I want to say to that. One is that it's a generational thing. So you, you're talking about a generation of men or a couple of generations of men that, that have grown up with the participation award mm -hmm. reality. So the challenge is not there when you go into an athletic event because everyone's going to be rewarded because we don't want anyone to feel bad. Yeah. We don't want anyone to feel anything other than joy. Uh, so there's no nuance there in your development. That's one thing. The other thing is that men 
as they were coming of age and in other cultures, this is still very uh, prevalent is that men had went on vision quests. Men had specific things that they did that, that introduced them into manhood. There is nothing in our culture. What it's fucking Instagram is your vision <laughs> quest. Uh, masturbating to YouTube. That's your vision quest. Like, where are you being challenged? So where, where the, generations that you're talking about now where their engagement is it's not so much in physicality if you're not good at sport then you may not be getting challenged in that way it's being on the computer it's being on social media it's the emotional contagion of social media where you're watching some video and suddenly you wake up and you say i'm really a girl well no you're not your your parents aren't in that conversation with you saying, why don't you go outside and take a walk in the woods and then come back and tell me if you still think you're a girl by no. yourself without your phone. Exactly. With a hunting knife and exactly. And a tent. Who was it? The Spartans that they'd send out like their 12 or 13 year olds yes. with nothing but a fucking spear. And they're like, survive three days. We don't give a shit. If you yeah. come back, you're a man. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine if we did that nowadays? We'd have a lot less dumb young kids. They would I, just all, they, they'd be cold. Uh, where do you think, so I going back to what you said earlier about uh, believing in free speech and even you know people that don't agree with you, I agree. The people on The View, I'm never going to watch it. I probably disagree with 100% of what they say, but let them talk. They make fucking asses out of themselves. I mean, exactly. to certain groups, you know, so let, I'm just not going to watch it. I don't care what they say. They can bagok all day on there like the cackling hens that they are but i'm why would you i'm i'm anti anybody who's going to try to cancel them because they don't agree with them either so why can't that be all around but where do you think the the woke agenda is going with that with compelled speech and do, do you see it turning yet because it seems like more and more people are kind of pushing back on the nonsense and being like no we're not dealing with that anymore. Uh, so many things on Instagram or, you know, other social media, there's so many people out there pushing back on this pretty hardcore. So I, I see it swinging, but what do you think about that? I think it's swinging too. I think uh, there are a lot of people who are bolstered by people being outspoken about it. Um, so they feel like uh, they're not going to make as much of a stir if they stand up and start saying, fuck that. That's bullshit. You know, like I see people, uh, black people post on Twitter about reparations, and then you'll see tons of white people chiming on going, uh, bullshit, uh, you didn't pick any cotton, I don't own any slaves, you're full of shit. Uh, yeah. So that's actually a good place to be if yeah. we can have conversations like that or exchanges like that. Ideally, we'd do it in person, but so I think uh, I think it's turning because it's I mean, it's totally unsustainable. Like. They're, they're the divide and conquer. They're dividing themselves. So it's they're conquering themselves by dividing themselves. So the more you categorize uh, yourself and other people uh, and separate yourself from them, the more lonely it gets. Uh, so and the more your reality or your outlook on reality gets distorted. So I can't see that lasting much longer, whether that's five years or two years. I don't know. But I think it's I think the tide is turning just slower than I would like. I think yeah. that what I have witnessed in the past three years is that this whole uh, jab and COVID situation has probably been the best thing that's ever happened to 
uh, people as a whole. And I know that's a very controversial thing to say, but what I mean by that is that by locking down the world, what you did is you gave people a pause where people who were maybe on the fence were given the opportunity to do some research. And I think a lot of people did wake mm -hmm. up in that time. What's unfortunate is that the people who were forced to take the jab, there are some consequences to that. I think that people have died because of it. I think that that has affected people who were very pro jab and very pro COVID and pro the agenda. I think there's some people in that regard that now have woken up and said, what the fuck did I do mm -hmm. to my body? Why did I allow my grandmother to die in a nursing home by herself. So there's a lot of people who are now becoming emboldened by this time period that we've had because they've realized, wait a second, the government's not my friend. These people, uh, these are corporations that had an agenda and they have carried out this agenda and they, the results of that is that they have been injured or they know someone that's been injured. Mm -hmm. So basically what Chris and I tried to do <laughs> is just dodge the bullets for the past three years. And it's just being in situations where like, okay, I'll go to school online. I don't have to be in person. Um, we'll work in jobs that don't require us to have the jab. I think that, that it's made us very creative in many ways. So What's happening with the woke is that some people are just doubling down. Oh yeah, and they and they just there's something psychologically that happens where where if you confront people with evidence, studies, information, they dig their heels in, yeah. and it shuts them down because the brain has a survival mechanism where you would rather die than change your perspective. So it's really a sign of evolution yeah. to be able to see a different outlook and then be able to absorb that. I think critical thinking has been weaponized too. Now the the terms conspiracy theorist are just wielded to anybody who questions anything, false, fake news. I mean, Trump was the per perfect person to deliver those words because he put fake news into the public lexicon. So then everybody associates that term with him. So now when you cry fake news, because it actually is fucking fake, people mm -hmm. will go, oh, that's Trump said that bullshit. Like you're full. Now of you're all right. Yeah. yeah. You can't do anything that's against the narrative without being called a Trumper also. Exactly. Like I've said a bunch of on the show, but my whole family's from the East Coast. So they all fell right along in line with that narrative. And that was fine with me. I love them. I want them to be okay. I don't care what their choices are, but I said that I wasn't getting vaxxed and they're like, oh, wow. I also said that Biden shouldn't be a, a president in general. Like he, he shouldn't be doing anything that has any sort of responsibility. He shouldn't be a manager of a grocery store at this okay. point. He shouldn't Fine. be allowed to eat you know, an ice cream by himself. Making big decisions. Yeah. So when I said that, they said, oh, honey, you're our only child that's a Trump supporter. And I was like, I didn't even uh, mention Trump. Never said that, that didn't even come out of my mouth. Yeah. It's well, just like there's only two roads. There's only two ways to be. Well, that, it's like the, you know, cattle getting herded to, to get branded. It's like once once you get in that fucking stall, like yeah. you're you're fucked. You're going to get branded. And, and that's something that's real hard to get rid of. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something, uh, two things in there. One, you felt like the 
the pandemic in a, in a way, or should I say that everything that went on with this was good. And then at the end of it, you brought up um, people doubling down. I think that those things actually really go hand in hand because mm-hmm. you got to experience something you don't like a lot of times to figure out that you don't like it, whether exactly. it be a food and then you go up. Well, I tried it. Now I know I don't like it. Okay. I think that in a lot of ways, what was the plan for that period of time and everything that came out backfired so hard. I think they jumped the gun. I think they burnt their hand on what they were expecting was going to happen. Jen, Jen was, I, I will say this, Jen was saying this from the beginning and Joe and I are a lot more nihilistic and black pilled. So we were like, yeah, I think it's going to hell in a handbasket. She was like, no, she was like, I, I don't think that. I think that people are waking up. And I'm at a point now where I'm I like, you know what? COVID was really great too. I said, this was the time. I said the so same positive. exact thing that you said. No, and I think, I think that that is exactly what happened. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about how, how excited people are to be able to go to comedy shows because it was all during this time um, about midway or even the beginning of the Trump era all the way through this whole lockdown issue that comedy died. You weren't allowed to make fun of people. You couldn't go to comedy shows. Um, And the idea that that was coming back was like, I keep hearing these nuggets from all of these people about how things are now starting to get so much better than they were before the pandemic. And I think that that's exactly what happened is they threw a curveball at us, told us that we had to fucking deal with it. And we all went, okay, I don't think that's going to happen. And then it backfired so hard that people got split into those camps because they had to. They finally had to address shit that they were on the fence about. And then the people that went on the one way and just crammed that news cake down their throat, when they're doubling down now because of the divide and because of a lot of people waking up and because of the pushback, that doubling down is necessary because it, it... you may have an argument with somebody at the beginning, but then when the evidence comes out that they might be lying and then they double down on it, it yeah. just, it's like this, dude, you just showed me who you were. At yeah. least now I know that you are a fraud, that you're a fake, that you're going to believe whatever that you told. And I think that that was also very important. I've heard so many people say, yeah, you know, we learned who our friends really were throughout this whole thing. And I think that that's happening on a national and global scale where these people that were wrong and just eating what they were fed, they're doubling down now and it makes them look fucking ridiculous to the rest of the people. Doubling down is like a philosophical fetal position, if you ask me. It's just like... (laughs) Explain that. (laughs) Explain that? Yeah. I just made it up, so I'll, I'll give it a go. But it's like, you know, it's it's like you're 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 just... You know, it's the last thing you do. It's like yelling at a bomb that's coming at you. It's like there's nothing le- left to do but double down. That's the that's the right. last stab at saving face, I think, for a lot of people. It's like, oh, <laughs> double down. And I, so, yeah, it's I, like I, a bluff. Think, they're hoping and praying yeah. that that you're going to believe them if mm-hmm. you just say it enough times. Yeah. So they're like, please, please, please don't call my bluff. I'm totally telling the truth. I hope that you back away. Don't look into I this. Don't think, I don't think that that... Uh, the COVID thing was the end game. I think it was a test mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I saw was this g- Gestapo um, community of people, these woke folk <laughs> in the grocery store, for example. I, I can't wear a mask. I have, 
physical issues that prevent me from being, which means my brain works. So I would go into the grocery store and it's, you know, the blue haired land whale that's yes. coming up and, and screaming at me and saying, you, why don't you have a mask on? <laughs> and I was like, well, would you like me to tell you my life story? Because I'll be more than happy to tell you why I can't wear a mask and the behavior. It was so, I, I mean, it was, straight out of 1984 it was like mm -hmm. oh it's very not, orwellian it's it's not the cops that are coming to yell at me <laughs> it's this person that that works at the fucking grocery store or another patron at the grocery store and that was the part that was so bizarre because i was like this so smells of hitler era mm -hmm. germany of people yeah. calling you know the gestapo on their neighbor mm -hmm. and i just thought how is any of this our reality where is freedom in any of this where are our constitutional rights like right. these blue-haired land whales were wiping their ass with the constitution because do they know it do they know what freedom of expression is and what freedom means it means you do you wear seven masks and a hazmat suit and a fucking shield and wear all of it uh. but you don't you don't impinge your views or your thoughts on other people. You allow people to be who they are. And that was the part I didn't get. Like, why are, why are you the person who gets to tell me how I can conduct myself? You don't know my story. You know nothing about me, but you've decided that your version of reality is the version. Well, cool. they were very crafty with that because they made yeah. it seem like exactly. you, you're doing something for someone else. So when they're That's like, you have to wear a mask, not for yourself, but for everybody yeah. else. Same with the vaccine. Yeah. And it's like, and then that all comes out as utter bullshit. And it's like, and I think a lot of people have been kind of looking at that now the last three years and are kind of like mm, side glance, you know, like mm, shit, I fucked up there, but they're not going to admit it. But sorry, Chris, I cut you up. Oh, no, no. It's a, I was basically going to say the same thing. It was a PSYOP aimed towards the latent virtue signaler. Like, yeah. oh, this is perfect. This is my time to shine. Like they have something <laughs> that, you know, a campaign they can get behind, you yeah. know. Right. And, yeah. and, and surprisingly, I've heard you guys speak about this on the podcast too, but surprisingly most embodied by those who were usually skeptical of, of, institutions and politics and corporations and you know, like the punk rockers and yeah. like i just saw a video on fucking youtube of jello biafra singer of dead kennedy's getting the jab going and you should too it's like oh my hell. god well it's yeah. it, it's absolutely ridiculous bill maher said it best how do we get to the point with all of these for lack of a better term snowflakes the safe space people was what he yeah. called them and he said it's it's become a common thing and and hunter you alluded this uh earlier uh is if there's a room full of sharp objects the norm now isn't for that person to go in there it's to make all the rest of us wear bubble wrap exactly. it's like it's this idea that if they have a fear of something in there well then the rest of you need to cater to what my fear is if they're sharp yeah. objects you might be too bubble wrap yourself then i won't get hurt and it's like it's completely backwards from one common sense uh, but two, it's it, 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 most of this, almost all of this ends up coming back to it is extremely narcissistic to think that you are so fucking important that the rest of us have to just go along with whatever it is that you think. Exactly. I brought it up to my parents in the same conversation. I said they have done a very Joe said it too. they were very crafty about it is 
they saw in Canada the pushback to having Bill C-16 of compelled speech. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you get people without compelling their speech to get them to follow what you do? You get to control what they think. I think mm. it was Hitler that said it. If you want to change a nation, you get into the school system or you control yeah. the youth. And it's it's that exact thing is like they don't have to change the Constitution. They just have to change the next generation to thinking the way that they want it to think. And it's immediately going to come out of their filthy sewers. They don't have to do anything about, uh, you know, the right to free speech if they're spouting off what they're teaching them. Free speech is now a right wing idea. <laughs> when it used to be a liberal thing. It yeah. was, be, you know, leave me alone. Let me say whatever I want. And it was always the right side. That was the law and order. And you shouldn't say that, you know, and now it's exactly the opposite. It's all the right side. That's like, dude, I just want my pot and guns and to be left the fuck alone. And yeah. it's the left. That's like, show me your paper. Sig Heil. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, exactly. Oh, and I've, I've, I've been <laughs> I've been so surprised because I, I went into school in the beginning of this whole uh, circumstance and I just thought wow how the fuck am I going to be accepted or what you know what are people going to think of me when I'm coming at this from a completely different perspective than all of the mask wearers and I was so surprised I took this media studies class and one of the first discussion boards we had was where do you get your news 99.9% mm. .9 of the people in this class said they got their news from CNN. Ugh. My professor who worked at the local newspaper as a photographer for 20 years said she got her news from CNN. When I said the Epoch Times, they said, what is that? <laughs> They had no fucking clue what the Epoch Times was. So I posted an article and she was like, wow, this is really interesting. And I just thought, wow, how am the fuck am I going to navigate these waters? And you would be surprised how many emails I got, private emails from my professors who said, thank you so much. You were such a breath of fresh air because you were actually creating dialogues mm -hmm. in these discussion boards. This has been this very you know, controlled, um, everyone kind of genuflecting to each other environment where everyone just wants to agree. We all want to be liked. We don't want to be disliked. We want people to like us. So I came in there and I was like, you know, respectfully, I disagree. And this is my perspective. And this is my opinion. I would always preface everything I was saying is that I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying this is my perspective. And I think that that kind of stimulates discussions in a way that a lot of kids at this particular age are not used to. They're no, used and I, to I think that out, out, outlier, outlander uh, superpower that you were raised with really started to shine there because the kids these days, and this goes back to that participation trophy thing. If you're there, you're part of the group group identity you want to be a part of it strength in numbers and so they end up getting corralled in this and then when they see somebody who steps outside of that and says no i don't think that it it immediately turns on light bulbs for kids especially kids that would otherwise just to not be noticed want to just go with the flow yeah. and not get not get that attention which yeah. is in a way it's good because they don't, they're not narcissistic, but at the same time, they're afraid to step out and say what they think. 
And when you have been an outlier and you're kind of rubbing against the grain your whole life, it's like, <laughs> what's one more? Who fucking cares? Yeah. And I, I, I really feel for you being in the uh, university setting right now because, well, I mean, you know, semi, what, I don't know how it's not like full on classrooms. Is it like you're actually having to I'm, go there? And I am now uh, this Ugh. semester. I'm kind of rounding my my first degree. And this semester I do have a in-person class. And it's so funny that you mentioned that just very quickly. Uh, I'm what's called a McNair scholar, which they have given me this, um, this ability to do research. So I'm giving, I'm being given a research grant this summer to do a research project. Right on. Nice. And my research project is going to be on artificial intelligence Ooh. and the kind of the uptick of that and how that's going to influence social relationships and, and male and female relationships. And so I go into these, this class with a room full of people that are the disenfranchised and, you know, people, women of color and, and the BIPOCs. And, you know, I am me. I'm not, I don't go in there and try to make anyone feel comfortable. I try to make them laugh. And I found that with humor, this is kind of circling back to what you said about humor. I found with humor, you can get a lot farther and you yes. can get into people's hearts and minds in a way that if you go in very evangelical, people shut mm -hmm. down. Yeah. So I just try to make people laugh and I don't yeah, take myself you, seriously. You can say more in a, with a joke and a smile on your face than coming in ramming and thumping with the Bible or wherever else you th you're yeah. thumping. Uh, before we get out of here, because I know you got to go soon, uh, I, I kind of wanted to end on, I always like to ask the guests just at the end to see where there's, this is going. So you said COVID-19 was kind of the, the beta test or the trial run of the, mm -hmm. this overall agenda. What, where is that going from there then? Do you think, it, do you think it'll show up as another pandemic or is it going to be aliens? Cause that seems to be kind of the, uh, the hot topic this year already and trains, trains that have toxic yeah. chemicals, but either way, what do you think there's, where do you think that's going? I think it could be another virus, or I think it could be climate change. They're already already doing the yeah. fifteen minute cities. Um, could be the alien invasion. I'm not. That doesn't seem too realistic to me for some reason. Uh, but yeah, something, anything to push some sort of a financial crisis that could uh, make it turn us push us over the edge into a cashless society and digital IDs. I think that's the end result. And then everything after that will fall into place for what they want to do with the great reset. Um, so that could be the possibility. I'm not saying any of those things are going to happen because I think that you can contribute to outcomes just by think that this is going to happen. This is for sure going to happen. You know, like yeah. if you think it hard enough, then you're, it's, more likely to happen. So I don't want any of those things to happen. I'm I'm trying to manifest something that's much more positive than that. But I think that's maybe where they're hoping things will go. Another pandemic or the climate change bullshit or a combination of all of the above. Right. That's the plan, but not necessarily the outcome, especially the more people that uh, are on board with being anti this type of shit. But Hunter, what do you think I, about that? I think that... Uh, as I said, and I, you guys seem to agree that the the COVID-19 thing is the best thing that's happened on a global scale because it's what it's done is it woke people up to their necessity and need to be more engaged with their lives outside of being on social media, on their phones, on computers. 
So I've seen a lot uh, greater uptick of people starting gardens, people mm-hmm. starting to uh, be more communal with their neighborhoods, starting to be more communal in their town that they live in. I think that there's a reliance that we naturally and instinctually do have with each other. And I think that is going to be ramped up even more. I don't think that it's going to be another virus because I think they've already done that. Um, I I am one of these people that that uh, is very anti-fear porn. And I think that a lot of people have gotten off on the fear Absolutely. and being freaked out and yeah. this dystopia Even on our side. That's, yeah. that's what Absolutely. I'm saying, like across the board. And it's this dystopia and like all these movies that I saw in the seventies and eighties, now they're all coming true. And, you know, Philip K. Dick was right. And okay. So that all may be true, but we are creating this reality with every word that we say with where our intentions go. So I don't think it's going to be, I don't think anything that they try is going to be successful unless we comply. So I think there are fewer people in the world as a whole that will comply with anything that they try to roll out. So. But it all starts with making our beds. Everybody make our beds and then nobody else can make them for us. I'm actually going to go and make Jordan Peterson's bed. Is that okay? (laughs) I think you probably appreciate the help. He'll beat you to it. <laughs> He's like, fuck, finally, Jesus, I can enjoy a cup of coffee. Holy shit. Well, it's funny, too, that you mentioned the fear porn and how it seems to be on both sides, because I will throw myself under the bus on this. Yes, there are some of us who kindly hope for the zombie apocalypse or something of that nature, where it's like, if the end of the world is coming, like, let it smack me in the face. Let that meteor fall. Let the zombies loose. Like, at least then... Because I think everybody on both sides, the right, left, fucking down the middle, who who fucking cares? They're all looking for that disaster that's going to bring us together because we have nothing else to focus on and we only have each other. And I think that the pandemic is a push in the right direction. I I think that the beta test failed Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think as a result of that, these little nuggets that we get held, whether it be Operation Blue Beam or a cashless society... I think a lot of that is us prepping for the idea that now they may back off on and give a false sense of security before they try again. Man, yeah, sure. I totally, totally agree. Well, I think a lot of people want the zombie outbreak or the, you know, whatever Mad Max scenario, because everybody's just got so much ammo built up that it's just itching to be used on something. So send something our way that we can uh, fire at. But thanks for coming on. I will put all your uh, contact info in the notes. And for, you know, next time someone tells you what to think or how to think, just say, nah, nah, nigga. Try that. See how it goes over. Because <laughs> I haven't tried it myself. And I don't, actually don't recommend you you do that. But it would be funny. So send me the video if that happens. It'll be a funny story <laughs> to tell later. Yeah. Exactly. Right. In jail. Yeah. <laughs> In thought jail. Yeah. yeah. All right. Have a great night. Uh, thanks, yes. everybody at Rockfin and Audio and all, all the people. All right. We'll talk to you. Really again. appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank it was you. a pleasure.